If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and I'm so happy to have you joining me today. As many of you know, we've been exposing the truth in Michigan about a Chinese battery plant coming to the state. So we've been going through the fact that there were NDAs signed by legislators, by elected officials over this battery plant. We don't know the whole background. We don't know what kind of vetting went on. We don't know what kind of background room deals have been happening. We've been looking at this in great detail. It seems as though some people have been working to buy property from landowners there. There have been some NDAs surrounding that. There's questions about environmental issues. And of course, there's national security concerns. All of these concerns come with the left boohooing all the way about xenophobia. So I have a question for them. How do they explain my guest today, who is also concerned with Americans bowing down to the Chinese and the Chinese yen becoming more powerful I'm excited to bring you today and be joined by Shi Van Fleet. In her own words, she is Chinese by birth and American by choice. I'm so grateful to you coming on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So you are so active on Twitter. That's actually how I saw you fighting for the American way. And I think that you have such a unique perspective on this because your parents were a part of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Can you go into a little bit of detail on that for us, because I think that having lived this, seeing your parents be involved in this, why? H- how has that shaped why you fight today? Yes. Uh, actually, my parents did not join the Cultural Revolution. By then, it, it's uh, they have been communists for 17 years. They joined the Communist Revolution in 1949. And that's before the communists took power. They are one of uh, uh, those uh, today's progressive youth. 
They bought into the communist promise, the promise of equity, the promise of liberation of oppressed, the promise of a better China. And so they joined the communists and then they are part of it. By the time that uh, uh, Cultural Revolution came along, um, I was uh, um, in my first, the second semester of my first grade. So I experienced the entire Cultural Revolution. That's basically my schooling. My schooling is the Cultural Revolution. So I did not have a choice and I have no idea. The only thing I was taught is that Mao is our great leader. Anything he said is God's words. And we follow his direction. Whatever he asks us to do, we do it. So, yeah. So it, it's interesting to see that uh, um, how many of the young people today and thinking they are uh, following something uh, um, and they are following a movement or to make America a greater place. They have no idea. They just have no idea. Well, they would they would tell you that, oh, well, this is different. We're not following a person. Like you said, we're following a movement. You've been very vocal about CRT, about equity, about all of these different conversations that we're having in schools. You actually posted a video of a young Chinese girl who came out and said, the Chinese way is for everyone. The American way is very selfish, individualistic. And you said that is something that you grew up with. So you see what this has done to China. But so so I think what you need to understand is that these young progressives, they don't see the truth about what's happening in China. They don't know the history that you know. In fact, they don't have a lot of great history in general. But explain to them what happened when people bought into that in China, then what happened with their lives? Yes, I can start with my parents. So they bought into that idea. Yeah. And my father was uh, coming from a, a land owning class, which is the enemy of the state. Um, mm -hmm. In 1949, after they took power, um, Mao and the CCP uh, had this uh, what's called land reform. And it's from there, they used the uh, divisive tactic of Marxism to divide the uh, Chinese peasantry into two classes. Uh, red class and the black class. And the black class are those who own land or property, and the red class are those who are uh, proletarian or just poor people. And uh, since then, every Chinese had identity. You're either black, you're either part of the black class or the red class. So my father basically abandoned his uh, land-owning class, joined the revolution, and he thought he was doing something great for the oppressed. And what happens is because he belonged to the black class, it's hereditary. Just like today, you're born white, you're always a racist. Same idea. So what he uh, experienced after that is he was never trusted because he was from a black class. And eventually he realized, and we never talk about it, but he, he realized he will always be seen as, uh, um, as suspicious, as not loyal enough to the revolution. 
And that's what's going to happen to the uh, progressives. They were so I, I saw I saw that you posted something recently about someone came out and said, you know, we we have to silence these people. We have to make sure that they can't speak. And you said that eventually will happen to you. Be wary of what you're talking about. Be concerned about what you're talking about because that eventually will happen to you. So that's that's really you're saying that from experience. Yes, it happened to. Everybody, that is something they do not know. Once the revolution succeeded, once the CCP got power and everyone become the victim, everyone, the poor and the rich, the rich lost their land, lost their property, and they became the uh, enemy of the state. How about the poor? They don't, they did not do any better. The first casualty, large scale casualty were the pe uh, peasants who were the backbone of the uh, Chinese communist revolution. They, uh, after the uh, um, Mao's disastrous Great Leap Forward campaign. It caused the Great Famine. Up to 50 million of them perished. Those were the followers of communism. So com when communists succeed, everybody, rich or poor, all become victims. I've tried to explain to folks in the U.S., they've said, well, we should just bring back all of the business from China. And they don't understand that China has really created a system where American companies go there and the folks are the people that are working in their companies are pretty much enslaved. They're trapped in a, in dormitories. They can only go home once a year. They're there to work. They don't see their families. They're not able to leave the campus of the business. And I, I say campus with air quotes around that because this is where they are forced to stay. And some of these, these communities are 300,000 strong. There's no place in the United States where you have high-rise buildings where you force people to live and they get food from the company and then they wake up, they work and they go home and they have no social life. But that is truly what's happening. And and the reason that these companies are staying there is because they can't, there's no place to do that anyplace else in the world. But it, it, these human rights offenses are something that the left would just they would just lose their minds if this happened in the United States. So why are they so defensive of China when this is how they're treating people? Because first of all, the average uh, progressive uh, youth, uh, they, they don't know. They never learn about the truth. And the others, they just mm. turn a blind eye because they cannot get any cheaper labor anywhere else. Okay, I know someone who spent about uh, seven years working in Shenzhen. It's a, a huge city next to Hong Kong making Christmas trees. They lived in a dorm uh, of like eight people, um, bunks, uh, bunker bed, and there's no baths, there's no shower. They have to, uh, um, they have to, uh, really make hot water and uh, collecting some wood here and there in order to have a decent uh, bath. And uh, there's a uh, uh, for holiday, that's Chinese New Year. A lot of people choose not to go home because it's too expensive. She worked there and not seeing her family for a uh, two young son in the countryside for about seven years making Christmas trees. Oh, wow. And we use it and it's so cheap. And after we just dump it, it's just so cheap. And the other thing people have to know, cheap labor like this, at least they get paid. And you have to pay, right? There is even cheaper labor. That's free labor. That's slave labor. That's Chinese prison. And you can go to Chinese prison for no crime whatsoever. I, I explain that because I think I've had people come at me and say, 
well, you know what? We have prisoners too, and they work as well. But these are people who truly, in many cases, have not committed any crime. Is that is that true? Yeah, their crime is they are believing、uh, something that.、Uh, um, The CCP is not approved of, such as、uh, yeah. Falun Gong. It is a spiritual wrong think. Wrong think is wrong not think, allowed. Exactly, thought prisoners are everywhere, and they are the free labor, slave labor, producing the things that are available in Walmart. But isn't this what isn't this what they're talking about here in the United States? Wrong、yeah. think is what we are told all the time. You cannot think this way. But you are telling us that wrong think creates slave camps. It,、yes. it creates places where、uh, is that where we're headed? But even if it's not where, see, see, I think that this is what people don't understand. Even if that's not where. Elected officials in the United States believe that we're going. Being so so entwined in the CCP and bringing companies that are so entwined in the CCP into the United States gives China a foothold here. But they are so powerful; they have the largest navy in the world. This is not by chance. This is to come in and take over. Is that the ultimate goal of China? Yeah, this is to me is、uh, the、uh, the elite. They benefit so much from the CCP. They absolutely so many of our、uh, politicians, so many of those、uh, CEOs. They benefit from China. That's why they don't want to do anything, and they really have to um, um, hide the fact that their profit is really based on the thing that they say exploitation. That's true. Exploitation and a true oppression of people who do not have a voice in China. We've got this battery plant coming to Michigan. This is from China. This is on their website. Even in on their English website, they had a section that said that they were loyal to the CCP. They had to have an organization on site. It would infiltrate the grassroots of the company. Now they're saying, "Oh, that's just for the Chinese." Are there companies that are owned by the Chinese that do not have allegiance to the CCP? That's impossible. That's something I try to tell people. In a communist country, it's not just China. In any communist country, the state owns everything. The state controls everything, not just business, but individuals. So, but they say, look at the the owner of this company or the CEO of this company is a billionaire. The CEO of the American company, the supposed American company, his son is in the hundreds of millions of dollars of net worth. So, this must be there must be some sort of freedom there that you can have people individuals become billionaires、yes. in China. So, how do they, how do you explain that to to folks who are saying, no, no, they're free the billionaires. There are two、uh, two kind of a billionaire. The billionaire who really actually made、uh, the fortune by themselves, by their you know talent, and there are also a corrupted official, and、uh, they actually the latter owned the majority of the wealth in China. And look at the number one、uh, rich person in China, Jack Ma. What happened? He had、uh, proved himself、uh, not totally in line with the party、uh, narrative or the party agenda, so he, they can just、uh, they kick him out. They kick him out, and then, then they just took over his company. So in China, there's n- when there's no freedom, you can make fortune today, and your fortune can be gone. And confiscated the next day, and that's something people don't understand. People don't understand because the media. Refuse to explain it, and、uh, the the school 
uh, don't teach it. The academia was all bought by the CCP. A lot of the professors are teaching pro-CCP narratives and just ignore the fact. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So do you think that your own father went through this where he believed in this narrative, in this ideology that he thought this was going to be the loving way? Because that's what we hear so often from the left. Like the, this is the party of love and acceptance and bringing people together. And, and it seems as though that's happened over the years in communist countries for as long as we can remember. I mean, Cuba, the same thing. People were like, oh, if we follow this, we're going to have this wonderful utopia here. And so we see the left coming out and saying, this is going to be an incredible utopia where you can be whoever you want. You can be whatever you want. And you and and we will all live a life of having everything we need. You may not be ever able to achieve something great, but you will all have what you need and everyone will be happy. But this is a narrative that is a lie. And ultimately, do you think that your own father went through this and went, wow, that was not what I was sold? Yeah, actually, I never really had a serious conversation with him because uh, that's the culture they created, that during the Cultural Revolution, parents would not talk to kids. And because they see it happened a lot that parent, uh, children report 
the parents to the party. Some of the parents ended up oh, being wow. executed. And so they create this distrust, not just between people, but between family members. And so I don't really remember having any serious conversation with my father, and but I could see what happened to him. And during the Cultural Revolution, he was sent to the countryside, the uh, labor camp, to improve his uh, himself because he is from a black family. And uh, so he never get really uh, real promotion, even though uh, his skill was uh, uh, highly appreciated and used, but he won't get the uh, uh, promotion because he's not trustworthy. So by then, you know, you don't have any choice. What I'm trying to do uh, now is to educate those uh, progressive or those brainwashed kids. Yes, they promised you this, and that was promised to us, and this is what really happened. That's what I think is so hard. Now we see in the United States of America, we see religion under attack. Whether you are Christian or Muslim or Jewish, we see all different faiths being attacked. But China obviously takes that to the next level, and we've 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 heard about the Uyghurs, the the Muslim community there, and what they've done to the those folks. Can you go into that a little bit so people truly understand what it means to be oppressed simply because of your faith? Yeah, that is the uh, uh, that is the core of communism because communism is a religion, and in order to take mm. to make it take root in the nation or in the people, they have to get rid of any other religion. That started right after they took power. It's not just Christianity, it's Buddhism, it's Muslim, uh, it's uh, Islam, it's everything. Everything, they, um, they destroyed a lot of temples and churches. By the time, uh, cultural revolution started, most of the churches were gone or, or the, uh, the, the, uh, the building itself turned into, uh, warehouse or meeting rooms. And so the cultural revolution really, um, really this. How do you get, how do you get rid of religion over time though? Do you start with the oldest generation or is that why they're going after the youth? Because we see that in the United States, certainly we see that it is the young people that they are going after. Is it if you can get the young people, then you can eliminate that from the future? It's always the, uh, the, uh, strategy. They go after the young and then they use the young to educate the old. And that happened in Soviet Union. That happened in China and Cambodia. So they brainwash the young first because that's much easier. And they also brainwash the old, but then they use the young to educate what they learned in school to their parents or grandparents and tell them what you have is a old idea. It is out of date. It's, uh, it's no longer good. And we should follow the new religion. They did not know it's a religion, but it's absolutely a religion. Yes. Well, that's interesting since you were saying that the parents didn't speak out in China because the children would turn them in. And obviously, this is the, this is what we're seeing in the United States right, right now. now. Yes. The parents are not allowed to have a discussion about their child. Their child can actually go to the authorities and say, my parents do not agree with what I've chosen in life and they need to be punished. I mean, we're, we're not far away from that. And TikTok, you've been, you've been outspoken about TikTok. So TikTok, 
TikTok is really the method to get into the the minds of these children. We've had people come out and say that TikTok completely brainwashed them into changing everything about their lives. You've been outspoken about TikTok. Is this a new a new method of getting into the heads of children that is even more dangerous than what you saw when you were young? Absolutely, absolutely, because. In, in, uh, in, when I grew up, there's very little, uh, uh, there's very little TV, there's no TV. And, uh, radio probably is the only thing that's mass propaganda, right? And then you have to be, uh, in the classroom or you have to be kind of organized and uh, in order to kind of mass indoctrinate a group of young people. TikTok, TikTok is absolutely, we, uh, let TikTok bring the indoctrination to the, uh, to, to not you know, even to the classroom, to the, to home, to just everywhere where the, uh, the youth are. So we opened our youth and let the TikTok to do the indoctrination. It's just, it, it is so dangerous, so disturbing, and the people just somehow don't see it. There's no classroom more powerful than TikTok that can do the uh, uh, indoctrination. They bring the groomers, they bring the uh, pedophiles right next to your kids, right there, talking to them. Oh, I, I mean, we've seen the videos. Obviously, you have libs of tip TikTok that have been exposing some of these videos. And now you've got these these folks on the left, again, who are saying, how could you, how dare you expose these videos? But they're not saying it like that. They're saying, how dare you show people this and tell adults it's wrong? It is wrong. It's insane to think the number of children that have questions, that have mental illness, that are are falling into the depths of despair over what they are seeing on TikTok. And we're lying to ourselves if we're saying that this doesn't have an effect. And, and honestly, I think that it happens so quickly. I'm a mom of four young girls and I didn't have this, you know, so the trickery of this is that you get into this child's device. Mom and dad don't even see what they're seeing. The videos are so fast. Yes, they keep yeah. moving. Mm -hmm. It just keeps it rapid pace. And, and then there's this addictive factor to it. I have to see more. And that's in addition to going to our public schools where they're erasing true history. So when you're seeing these messages on TikTok, you don't even have true history to talk about it. And you've talked about how students in China don't even know about Tiananmen Square, that this is not, that they don't know anything about the dangers of their own government. But we're also seeing that in the United States where history is changing in the schools. What does that do? Well, when you don't know history, you are so easy to buy the lie. That's exactly why they're doing it. And so when you have, when they tell you a lie, you have nothing to counter it with because you don't know history. You accept it. You accept it as truth. And that is exactly what happened here. I have to say, um, the, uh, the mark, uh, the American Marxists have taken cultural Marxism to the absolute, to the next level. And uh, this is not just against tradition. That's what's uh, uh, happened in the Cultural Revolution, where we're told to destroy, to smash the four olds, old tradition, old idea, old custom, and old uh, habits. So anything old that we can identify, you know. But here, it's not enough. We are seeing the cultural Marxists uh, in America to really smash 
the norm, the norm that existed in, hum, uh, in human history for thousands of years. Now it has to go. Now women is no longer unde undefinable. It, it is something that is much, much more dangerous and lethal than what I experienced in the Cultural Revolution. Well, let's talk about women for a second, because obviously women's rights are different around the world, but so many young people in the United States do not realize this. Even the people that are defending Joe Biden's exit from Afghanistan don't realize that women have no rights now. They will not be educated. They are treated horribly. They are treated as objects. In the United States, we are seeing women lose their face, lose their their ability to compete, their ability to be on the world stage in sports, because we've had this movement take over of the the trans community saying, you know, uh, anybody can be a woman. A woman's not that special. So anybody can be a woman. We can win all of the awards. When you erase someone's identity from all of the ads, from all of the TV, from everything from all of the sports, when you take an entire gender and say, you're really not that important after the years of fighting. And, and honestly, when you look at other countries, the way women are treated across the globe, where are we headed for women in this country? I think women just one of the casualties. And it's everything that everything that we just take it for granted. Now it's up to debate. And then that is uh, to me, I think it's a, they want to, uh, they really want to destroy what we call norm. So we no longer have a, a right and wrong, and we just don't know uh, what is true, what is not true. And uh, there's no absolute truth, right? It's just your truth versus mine. I think that is the goal. Women, just one of the casualties. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So once it, you said something that I, I have to go back to, you said now it's up for debate. Boy, that's really a telling statement there because that's so much. History is up for debate. Whether or not you're a woman is up for debate. Whether or not you deserve to be educated in a normal education or indoctrinated. Your, your medical rights are up for debate. There are so many things that once you create the debate around them, then there is no reason that you should have these rights anymore. I mean, right now we're we're in this situation where we have violence across the United States, violence that is really has been created by a couple of different things. We're talking about a culture of not punishing criminals, which has infiltrated liberal cities across this country, and also a culture of just feeding people all of these prescription drugs and having no idea what the effect will be. And then the answer is, well, now the debate is there, right? The debate is there because is it is it because of the the lazy prosecutors? Is it because of the mental health issues? Is it because of guns? But it must be because of guns. So now we're going to take that one thing you have to protect yourself away and we're going to create the confusion. I mean, what's your take on the, the violence issue? Um, that's inevitable. It, it's all about power. And then they start with something like a debatable, let's have a conversation. And we heard that for how long? I heard it from day one I got here. And even though I was not aware that uh, um, that was their strategy, they don't have one. They don't want to have a conversation. And they all, all they want is a obedience. You obey and you uh, have to agree or you shut up. Uh, and then if you don't, if you question, and then the next is intimidation. And, uh, and from there, it's very, sh- uh, uh, it's a very quick, uh, slippery s- slope into violence. And that's what happened in, uh, in cultural revolution. It started and ver- verbal about, uh, abuse. And you, do you know that what's called Big character posters. And that's what the Red Guards put. It's a, you know, like a big, uh, piece of paper. They wrote, uh, the articles of condemnation to so and so on the wall so everyone can see, kind of like today's Twitter. And then they condemn the, the teachers, the professors, and the, uh, school administrators quickly within months. It turned into violence. And turn into killing. So, so does the, does TikTok even have an effect on that though? Because that's something uh, at TikTok, Twitter, all of these these different social medias, we're seeing a lot of these young people get into fights, just throwing each other to the ground, destroying businesses, running in and stealing things. Is that part of this going into kids' heads and saying, look, this is an option, just kind of getting that out there. Is Absolutely. that promoting more violence? And normalize uh, our violence. Well, some is, again, uh, violence, mm-hmm. but others is totally justified because they're fighting for freedom. 
it is just insane. They're fighting for freedom, just like uh, uh, the slogan carried out by the uh, Mao's Red Guards. Rebellion is justified. So violence is justified. And so, so this is absolutely a repeat of the Cultural Revolution. And we already come to the second uh, stage and it's uh, intimidation and uh, violence. Well, you saw the vice president, not vice president at the time, but the current vice president, Kamala Harris, come out during 2020 and say, stay in the streets, stay, keep doing this, keep it up. What does when you see someone who then takes the seat of the, the second in command in the country, when you see that person going out there and promoting this, but silencing the other side and telling the other side, no, 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 no. In fact, going after a political opponent with the justice system, what do you think the future is? Chaos. And that's what they want. And so during the Cultural Revolution, when the uh, um, Red Guards mobilized themselves and Mao uh, uh, told, openly declared his support, uh, full support, and also he, uh, def in today's words, defund the police. He basically dismantled the uh, uh, criminal justice system. Police men were ordered not to fight back if they were hit by the Red Guards, and they were ordered not to go to campuses. Uh, they're forbidden to go to campuses, but that's where the violence took place. So when you have someone in power to support you, you can do no wrong. Anything goes, including killing. And that's the signal that uh, uh, the vice president wants to give to those uh, mobs. I'm behind you. The administration is behind you. You can do anything you want, and we'll be there to support you. It's, it's scary. I mean, and we look at what we've seen just over the past few years that China wasn't able to hide when they were locking people into their homes. And I don't think that people fully understand that during COVID, when they locked you in your building, these are places that again, there's dormitories, there's places people are forced to live and they were not allowed out. This is the, this is the future when you are looking at communism. The human life is just not valued. It doesn't yes. matter if... Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's really the, scary. Uh, uh, COVID lockdown actually was a wake-up call for the young people in China. They have uh, not mm. experienced things like Cultural Revolution. They did not never heard about the crackdown on Tiananmen Square. Now they got their chance. They got their chance to experience firsthand what uh, the proletarian dictatorship is about, what is the tyranny is about. And that's why uh, they, a lot of brave young people went to street and have that uh, white paper revolution. And a lot of them just disappeared. And, and yet we've watched this. We've seen this in the United States now. We saw the police taking people off the streets, people just disappearing. We know what's happening in these companies where we have these high rises of people that are locked in at night. They're essentially there trapped as workers making a, a barely, not even a living wage. We are getting these products so cheap and American companies are going out of business, becoming more and more in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party. Party. And now you've got this supposed green initiative with batteries where the Chinese have taken over the entire supply of these rare earth minerals and saying, oh, we're going to take care of the, the, the 
globe being green, even though we're the largest polluters in the entire world. And we're sending children into mines and abusing them to get these batteries. And then after the fact, how do you even get rid of the batteries? I mean, that alone should be a metaphor for all of what is happening with China. And yet still people in the United States refuse to wake up, but you are fighting every day. And I think it's so important that people who have lived through it continue to get that history out there because like you said, you are right. People do not know history. And unless we have someone who has lived it, we can't share it. We can't understand it. Yes. That's why I'm, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I quit my job last year because I think this is too important. I have the experience and I have the history on my side and I want to teach American, uh, educate American, uh, young people and American general, uh, public in general, because in general, people do not know much about communism. They know even less about the CCP, the history, the crimes they committed to their own people. Well, we are so grateful for you coming on the program today. Shi Van Fleet, thank you for doing this. Thank you for fighting so hard for our kids. You are really one of the only voices out there that can spread light and truth on this issue. And I am so grateful that you joined me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for joining me on the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there and make sure you join us the next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a great day. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.